1: I think there's a pretty good chance that our listeners are out there going, oh, wow, I have a lot of cultural messages in my head and Mm -hmm. it's not that easy to access the voice of my true nature.
0: Yes. And
1: I don't know, they might be thinking, is there anything else that I could do other than listening to this podcast to help me learn to listen to my heart?
0: Well, I had this question. Even as a young child, I would say, I am not happy. And people would say, well, it's all in your head. And I'd be like, I know, get it out of my head. But nobody could really help me do that. And so um, in my 20s, I sort of made up a system to help me detach from cultural messages and connect with my true nature. And it ended up being my career as a life coach and then training people to do the same thing.
1: And I think that, you know, it's just like people who feel the urge to heal themselves, help others heal and heal the world, Mm. that this this term life coach sort of slots into that in our culture and yeah. people take the training to hang out a shingle and become life coaches people take the training because it's like getting life coaching yeah you know and people also take the training just to learn to access their own true nature
0: yeah it was originally just a access your own true nature course mm-hmm. But when you've mastered that, you really want to share it with other people and people want to be shared with and they will pay you money. So if that's the way you want to go, that's why it ended up being Life Coach Training. But it's actually Wayfinder, which is
1: different. It's about finding your way by connecting with your true nature and and steering your own course. So if people are interested, you can Google Wayfinder Life Coach Training or go to MarthaBeck.com and you will find your way. Yes, you will.
0: Hi, I'm Martha Beck.
1: And I'm Rowan Mangan. This is another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. So, Rowie, what today are you trying to figure out? Well, Marty, as you know, we have a daughter. What? <laughs> We're, sorry, I, I meant to tell you. Are you sure she's mine? <laughs> uh, and other lesbian jokes. <laughs> um, and I am trying to figure out, Like, what's her universal worldview? Because I think you would agree that Lila is endowed with the gift of mischief. I would say. Yeah. She's quite aware of her capacity to do mischief and quite delighted by it. Yes. She's a regular Loki. She's a little Loki. She's a little Loki. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So... I try to understand her moral universe, the way that she's created it. Moral is a strong word. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, her amoral universe. And so what the best I can figure out (laughs) is that she thinks that all mischief can be undone through the shouting of two words. Uh, And these are magical words that she uses to undo whatever went before and clean slate. So, for instance, some of the things that our daughter does—I mean, it's—it's it's all the obvious stuff. It's like she she makes a beeline for the things we need her to not have, you know, hot yeah. drinks, trying um, to drink alcoholic out of drinks, like all kinds of things, and she runs to them. And then the other thing is that grill from the floor. There's like an air conditioning yeah. grill.
0: It's it's like the air vent cover. Yes. So there's a big hole in the floor and it's got this sharp metal vent on it. And weirdly, it's not affixed.
1: <laughs> it's not. And she's taken to like just grabbing those and wielding them. Oh, I think and they're you, sharp and they're deadly. They are. And you mentioned her preternatural strength, physical strength. Oh physical my strength God, that child time. is strong. And so she pulls these things up and she kind of totters around the room with them. She tottered straight into you with one and nearly did you she, damage. She drew blood did she and she was yelling heavy sharp (laughs) like (laughs) show Muffy, (laughs) show she likes showing things at the moment but anyway so she does those things she knows they're bad she takes delight she waits until we notice that she's got them and at that moment she speaks the magic words Mm -hmm. good girl And that's true, she good does. Good girl, which is a phrase that I think we've talked about. We're trying not to use her there anymore, but right. she's got it like deeply embedded as like to me it's the equivalent of calling the president and asking for a pardon, you know. Definitely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she, it's just like good girl, It's 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 like a prayer, it's like a wish, it's mm. like a spell. It's like magic, yeah good girl yeah and it's then preemptive nothing's wrong anymore. that's right but it doesn't really work that way
0: <laughs> no i i can't count the times i've found, caught her well not caught her she wants my attention edging with her hand reaching toward an uh, an electrical outlet oh my god and she gets closer and closer and watches you to see if, and then she screams good girl good girl but it's preemptive it's like somebody going into a convenience shore with a the store with a gun Mm. and then calling the police and turning himself in and then (laughs) robbing the store and running away
1: Uh, (laughs) it's not exactly logical but there's there is some whiff of ethics to it (laughs) yeah yeah it's she's got her ways uh little lila so what about you maddie what are you trying to figure out oh yeah well i have found a most wonderful
0: new app for the phone oh boy my my kid not lila but kit showed it to me it's called seek you go outside and you put your camera on anything, plant, bug, whatever, and it will tell you what it is. And I found, I came in and I said, I think we have termites Termites, because I found this little pile of sawdust uh-huh. and they leave these little paths. So I went out and I used the Seek Immediately, it told me the real identity of this thing, which has been obsessing me ever since. Not termites then. It is called, Uh-oh. and this is the truth. This is
1: literally true. <laughs> Dog vomit slime mould. Dog vomit slime mould. Yes. Four more disgusting (laughs) words cannot (laughs) be spoken in the English language. When you put them up against each other, each word gets what's the word I'm looking for? Exponentially. Yes. More disgusting.
0: Well, it got worse because I came into the house and I'm like, I can't believe this is something really called dog vomit slime mold. So I Googled it. (laughs) And the first thing that came up was a gardening site and it said, caring for dog vomit slime mold. And I was like, and then it said, you don't have to take care of it. You can't get rid of it. It's just out there when it rains. But then it's like, I wrote two memoirs. One was called Expecting Adam. One was called "Leaving the Science" because they like you to start with that "ing." So I thought "Caring for Dog Vomit Slime Mold: A <laughs> Memoir." Oh no! Nice. And and I started like I wake up at night, and this Victorian era mini series is playing out between a woman who cares for a dog vomit slime oh. mold, oh. And, oh, nice. and they can't be together because someone in her position, her family would not be into it, you know. And they're like, "Oh, Mister Slime Mold." no, call me dog vomit.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I gain endless joy from this. I actually had to forbid you from saying those words. I'm, I mean, I'm letting it go now, but I had to forbid you, didn't I, in the house? Because yeah, you were making me... a little green. Ugh, it's not good.
0: Well, sometimes it's called witch's butter.
1: That, see, that seems lovely. Although or... I, I wouldn't want to have a slice of toast at the witch's house, if you know what I mean. Knowing <laughs> right. its other name, I've also heard it co- that it's called troll, troll cat, uh, vomit slime mold. Troll.
0: So put troll cat, in there. Cat.
1: No, you didn't say
0: no. uh, troll cat. Yes, troll cat, vomit slime mold. Wow. Somebody's going to a lot of trouble. There's the whole. Um, You know, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. No, it wouldn't.
1: You know, in France, they have like a ministry of naming things so that English, you know, so that they're French, they're properly French and English doesn't take everything. Because like when computer came out, French started calling it computer. And then the ministry went, no, say l'ordinateur. L'ordinateur. And like that. I think we need one of those. I always thought it was a little Uh, bit French, but actually it's what it is, is really good idea.
0: Yeah. So what would we rechristen my favorite new pet? Uh, Bert. (laughs) (laughs) You go out with your sea cat, pointed at this slime mold, which by the way is fascinating because it's the link between an, an unicellular organism or a multicellular organism. It works as unicellular until it forms Oh God! Fruiting bodies that are multicellular. I know, I know. Sorry, I was gonna try to not geek out on this, but I can not help it. We've just lost whatever it's called. It's simply Bert. Bert. People go, what is this that I can't get out of my garden? Bert. Caring for Bert. Caring for Bert. Oh my God! Yeah suddenly it's really, really moving. And I feel really bad about the fun I was making of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: dear. All right. What to do with that
0: delicious topic was
1: part of what I was trying to figure out. We'll be right back with more bewildered. I have a favor to ask. You might not know this, but ratings and reviews are like gold in the podcasting universe. They get podcasts in front of more faces, more eyes, more ears, all the bits that you could have a podcast in front of. That's what they do. So it would help us enormously if you would consider going over to your favourite podcasting app, especially if it's Apple, and giving us a few stars, maybe even five, maybe even six. If you can find a way to hack the system, I wouldn't complain and uh, a review would be also be wonderful. We read them all and love them. So thank you very much in advance. Let's just go out there and bewilder the world. Mwah. Change, eh? Mm, it sure does keep happening. I feel like there's something that you, Martha Beck, have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it. Oh!
0: By coincidence, now that you mention it, I have. It's called the change cycle. Mm. It's about four aspects of the whole process of change. And we've put the information
1: together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change. And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how
0: remarkable is that? All right, you can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change. But what are we really, really trying to figure out seriously for the folks
1: at home? So... We recently brought down to our dungeon here mm. our very good friend Liz Gilbert mm-hmm. and she appeared on our podcast and we had such a great conversation with her and I wanted to pick one of the threads up and talk about it a little bit more with you because what, what we were talking to Liz about was basically like how far will you let your body and mind and soul degrade before mm. you'll accept that you're like on the wrong path in some way Mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. And Marty, you have a philosophy around this that you call cave early. And I think it is very helpful for the peeps getting the cultural messages. Could you please explain cave early?
0: Yeah. Cave early means when you notice that something isn't good for you, give up stop <laughs> fall down in your tracks lie flat on the floor <laughs> until the urge goes away i've i've heard that before like sometimes i get a really strong urge to just forge ahead and work but if i lie down for long enough it goes away <laughs> that's kind of the cave early philosophy it's like if you're a camel and you've got a lot of straw on like how many straws ahead of that last straw do you figure this is getting strenuous until the last straw snaps your spine, yeah.
1: Right, right, and it's it makes me think of that thing that our our personal messiah oprah winfrey said once was it her or was it someone else oh how can i about that it it will tell you in a message and then it will tell you (sighs) in a what's that yes first it's a
0: a whisper i'm like you might want to worry about this then it's a little message hello hello seriously this is a problem then it's a lesson oh now something went wrong and you should learn from that then it's a problem oh boy this is keeps happening and then it's a catastrophe
1: Mm yeah it will destroy you that's the straw that actually breaks the camel's back yeah. but but our selves or whatever however you want to kind of um put it together something in us is trying to tell us nicely before yeah. it tells us yeah. in a harder way yeah it's sort of edging up to the outlet going go girl go go the moment go, go. you hear go girl you know something bad
0: is going to happen like cave right then right cave early.
1: yeah right
0: So, and it's, it generalizes to things like, my, it's been record heat all summer in the Northern Hemisphere. Hmm. How far do we have to go toward
1: catastrophic, like apocalyptic climate change before we go,
0: uh, yeah, we might want to quit some things. Yeah.
1: Mm, Yeah. The inconvenient truth. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is an inconvenient truth, but I can tolerate it. Let's, let's go eat lunch. It's inconvenient. You know, oh, nothing yeah. is worse than inconvenience in this culture. Literally death before inconvenience. That's what we're living.
0: Yeah. And that's specifically the whole weird culture. I always, I always think there are a million cultures within cultures, but the, are, are sort of dominant and we're in America right now. It is really true. Death before inconvenience. Like it has to be like you have to be able to do it with a remote from your couch or it is just too complicated. We're very... We leave the inconvenient things to other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we do. Some of our listeners will remember me holding forth at great length about cup holders once on this this topic.
0: God forbid you should not have a place to put 19 cups at once.
1: I know, right? So, So what does the culture say about this idea of cave early?
0: Well don't it says don't cave early don't Mm -hmm. you ever cave no no it's all about attachment and hanging on and um you know true
1: grit yeah don't give up stay the course yeah
0: never 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 give up that great winston churchill speech which was yeah i i take it well placed but where he says we will never give up we will fight on the beaches we will fight in the streets only when you listen to him talking he's so negative charisma he's like
1: we will fight on the beaches. We will fight on the streets. We will never, never,
0: never give up.
1: Yeah, I think probably the situation where someone wants to invade your country with guns and tanks and stuff, that's probably not a good cave mm. early situation. Yeah,
0: stipulated. And, and that's <laughs> Let's why.
1: apply it to that.
0: That's why it's become so um, dominant for us because we, we want to win at all costs. And mm. when the chips are really down – it is good to have grit and perseverance and all That's that, but right. the problem is it overgeneralizes to uh, every single thing we try to do. So,
1: and it's amazing how powerful those messages are. You know, like you've made your decision, now stick to it no yep. matter what. No matter yep. what, no matter what evidence you get that it was, that it, neither, you know, like it might have been right then but even if you get evidence that it's wrong now don't change course no matter what changes in the world around you don't ever reconsider that decision that you've made
0: oh yes and for god's sake if you're running for office (laughs) never learn anything because if you decide you know you (laughs) thought you know that uh cigars were good for you and then it turns out you read a bunch of research and you found out cigars are not good for people and you've changed your mind about that Maybe letting people have AK-47s in, a, in an elementary school. Maybe that's not a good idea. I used to be pro, but now I'm con. And if you say, guess what? I've changed my mind.
1: You are
0: a flip-flopper. Oh, God.
1: flip! Don't ever flip-flop. So you can see how, like, you know, like I bet everyone can resonate with how powerful these messages are around us and how deep it, yeah. they kind of burrow into our minds. And I was thinking about it because I have a friend right now who's, potentially going to be leaving her marriage mm-hmm. and she's she literally told me she can hear the the voices of the culture in her head saying mm. these exact things and it's so it's so interesting how no matter how intelligent or empowered or you know financially you know like I feel like relationships are such a strong yeah. way that the the culture um, users, these yeah. sorts of messages. Oh my gosh. I cannot
0: count the number of clients I've had over the years who were like, oh, I can't leave this job or this marriage or this whatever, even though it's killing me. And I, I had one woman who said she knew her job was giving her cancer. So she took a leave. Uh, she had cancer. So she took a leave for a year and got her all her chemo, got all healthy. And then she went in to quit. And, uh, she said, I know if I go back, I'll get cancer again. So she went back and then she came to see me and she's like, yeah, they pointed out to me that I was a quitter. So I'm back in. And she died of cancer oh, two years later. God. And it's, uh, I, I, have you ever heard that addiction is persistent repetition of a behavior despite negative consequences?
1: That's one definition. Addiction is persistent repetition of a behavior despite negative consequences. So bad things happen to you when you do it, but you keep doing it. And that's addiction. And that's that's what addiction is.
0: And what what we're basically hearing is no matter how you feel, stick with whatever you're doing. So that is be addicted, adopt an addiction, adopt many addictions as long as they're approved, like Mm. culture approved things like uh, a marriage or a job and stay in there, no matter what harm befalls you there. And may I say also that all that this quitter never quit thing was established in a culture where people, the average life expectancy was like 45.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you weren't going to have to stick with it
1: all that long. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah,
0: But yeah, right now we're, we're living longer and we're sticking in that we're not caving. We won't cave because we did it before, so we have to do it again and again.
1: And it's almost like the messaging of the culture works with our own psychology to, yeah, you know, because I feel like part of the struggle so, take take my friend, right with her with her marriage. It's like part of the struggle is if I leave now, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I stop this now, if I quit this now, then it means that I've been on the wrong path all along because it's either wrong or right. It's one or to other, you know,, yeah. and so the culture's voice makes that the stakes. The stakes are if you leave something that's wrong for you, you are acknowledging that the last twenty years of your life, were wrong yep. or had no meaning or had no value.
0: Yeah. And you're stupid and you made the wrong decision and then you stayed with the wrong decision. So just keep staying because then it looks like the right decision. Because this mm, sorry. Obsession with being right in yeah. our culture.
1: Yeah. And and this absolute insistence that nothing must ever change. Yeah. Nothing, you know, it's straight lines. It's not wobbly wavy lines. You know, it's it's we always say nature moves and yeah. and changes and grows and culture is like that can't be right. It's this weird
0: resistance um, to impermanence, which is you know the the acceptance of impermanence and change is such a big part of so many Asian traditions, but in the West it's like no. I mean, I could go into a long disquisition about Calvinism right now, but I'm not going to because I, think, I am a compassionate woman.
1: I think our listeners might have heard your um, your Calvinism bit before.
0: Good girl, good girl. <laughs> 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 oh Lord. So yeah, what like I know we've both done this before. Like I used to. Oh my God, through my whole twenties, thirties, and even into my forties, I. Insisted on working harder and harder, and sleeping less and less mm. as my body totally disintegrated. And I mean, I made little adaptations, but the, if I had any energy, it was immediately spent trying to do something that would be reputable and productive. And mm. you're still a little bit like that, to be honest. Uh, so are you, <laughs> <laughs> good girl. You are good <laughs> Anyway, it was a complete compulsion, and I didn't want to be perceived as having been a quitter in any area of life right which meant I took on every role I could
1: and tried to never let any of them go yeah and it's interesting cuz I was just thinking now you may not push yourself that hard but I think that there are sometimes you'll you'll do what your body needs to do you'll yeah. do the thing that's in integrity but you can sometimes perseverate or feel guilty oh, about yes. that, you know. And I just think it's so fascinating because you've done more work on yourself than anyone else I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And, and yet this one, this little kernel yeah. of don't don't stop, don't ever stop, yeah, is crazy strong even in you.
0: Oh, yeah. And people send me, like I get emails and gifts and stuff from people I don't even know who are like, Please come to my house in Uzbekistan and work with my mother who's ailing. And I'm like, oh crap! Now I, I have to go guess to I'm Uzbekistan. going to Uzbekistan. <laughs> oh, guys, <laughs> we got to be- because yeah. someone asked me and they want me to hang in. And yeah, if I'm going to be a self help person, I better do everything everywhere. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane.
1: And you really like ran yourself into properly poor health. Doing yeah, that. I mean,
0: I did not not for a long time. I yeah. haven't had an all nighter. For like a week. No. Um, but I used to do several a month. Yeah. For years. Of just working all night. Horribly bad for you. Never ever do that. Cave people. Cave. Yes. What about you, Rowie?
1: Well, it occurs to me, so for you, you, you worked and worked and wouldn't stop and wouldn't quit, mm-hmm. and your body started to yes, break totally down and unraveled. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, I was thinking about a time that I was in a relationship with someone that I, it wasn't a good call. Mm. And I'm kind of stuck on relationships with this because I think I see it being so pernicious in this. Mm. And, you know, it was, it was different for my friend because it wasn't, it wasn't a long term. Well, whatever. It wasn't a super duper long term relationship, mm-hmm. and uh, but I sort of thought, oh well, you know, I found this person. This will do. Like I can settle. I can make this work, and I think I could. I think I could live with this long term. <laughs> always a good reason to <laughs> commit for the rest of your life.
0: Right? I could I get
1: used to it. Yeah um and what happened to me was that like so one of my sort of signals is anxiety like physical anxiety mm, symptoms mm. get really turned up and it was actually quite funny because i ended up being in this like long you know week long or weeks long state of like almost like panic attack level anxiety <laughs> I thought you were going to say I was in a week's long relationship. I was like, "That's not that bad." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so week's long anxiety—that is bad. And um, and I finally was just like, "All right, I'm I'm listening." It came as as a strong enough um, signal that I could uh, finally hear it, and I was like, "Okay, the relationship's wrong." And I was trying to explain it to the person that I was with, who thought that the problem was I was having some anxiety and needed some time out just Mm. some time to and so there was this whole thing of like oh you poor thing and I guess maybe I let that continue to be the perception because what it really was was it's not me it's you Mm. and I didn't really want to do that but like there was like a, a moment Oh, probably shouldn't oh well go for going it. Too. <laughs> they won't be listening when we were doing the like three or four weeks post breakup like here's your shampoo and stuff you Ooh. know that awkward oh. coffee where it's like oh here's your shampoo and your makeup and stuff and uh and that the person thought that i was gonna get back, back together with them Now, because I was feeling better, and I was Uh like, "No, I'm feeling better because I'm not (laughs) with (laughs) you. Like I'm nowhere near you, dude." Yeah, and I just anyway. So it was it was interesting to see. Like I don't, you know, I often you know kind of boast about not having too many of these cultural things in deep, but man, I think like especially because being single kind of a bummer you Mm. know and um being in a relationship makes your ego feel like Mm. yeah somebody likes me enough (laughs) and may I say that in almost all cultures especially for
0: women there's this thing of if, if you're not married at 18 or whatever um like in in one asian country they say a uh, 25 year old woman who's not married is like a christmas cake nobody's you know nobody wanted to eat it and it just lies around getting stale that's a really common sort of trope in a lot of cultures that women are supposed to get into relationships and stay there no matter what
1: yeah yeah so i don't know i think um i think it's so easy to let yourself go a long way down a track because of of some thing or other that yeah. that we're we're buying into with consensus. Right. yeah yeah so so how do we come to our senses marty interesting
0: you should ask because i'm dying to tell you
1: after a break
0: I've always been weird. (laughs) When I write and speak professionally, I have to tone it down, especially the part where I believe the universe loves us and is on our side. A few years ago, I decided to just show up online and say what I really think. This became The Gathering Pod, a series of discussions about how to thrive in a difficult world. So if you need hope, inspiration, or a chance to listen to someone much weirder than you could ever be, Come join me on The Gathering Pot.
1: So, Marty. Yes. We're trying to figure this out.
0: Mm-hmm. Stay
1: the course, cave early. Mm-hmm. It's hard, right? Hard to know. And I think one of the reasons that it's hard to figure it out is that um, there's, there's a kind of logical loop built mm-hmm. into this one. This is my theory. Mm. And you can see it with my friend and her marriage because the voice of culture is saying to her, If this is wrong for you now, Mm -hmm. if you're going to quit, not stay the course, that means that it was never right. Mm -hmm. It means that the 20 years of your marriage have no meaning.
0: Yeah. Mm. Right. That there was no
1: value to that because it was either always right or it was always going to be wrong. And that's where my friend is snagged because she can't get out of that loop of if I leave, it means my children And their Ah. lives and their experience doesn't have meaning. You know, like there's just so much about the meaning of experiences that we want to leave.
0: Value and meaning. Those are the two things. The culture says if you quit, it retroactively voids any kind of meaning or value uh, that is attached to the experience you just had, which may have been your whole life. So, of course, we're like, gee, I don't want to invalidate everything I've ever done. But if you look at nature it doesn't need persistence to value something right to you know it and not that it does anything really deliberately nature's not making value judgments like that it, but that's just the point it is inherently valuable every experience is inherently valuable
1: and meaningful
0: and meaningful right like, that's what Victor Fonkel said after surviving, surviving Auschwitz, that it was, you know, in the most horrible circumstances, he was still able to salvage, that part of his life was still in some way, not good, I mean, but for him, internally good, because he derived so much meaning from it. He learned so much. So learning and the, the treasure of experience, those are nature's realities. And you could you don't have to say, okay, I'll I'll obey the culture and do everything persistently forever. And you don't have to say, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole because it would be stupid. You can, or, or you don't have to say, I failed because I quit, and that means that I never did anything right. These are both these extremes. Mm-hmm. And nature just says, experience is meaningful, inherently meaningful, as long as you can see it that way. And learning to see it that way, well, is called learning. Like mm. you come out of an experience, it's horrible. Your, your friend is looking at her marriage. It's really bad right now. And instead of saying, okay, did I fail forever? Or will I stay and validate myself forever? You say, this was a good experience that became horrible. Where can I find meaning? Where can I find learning? And that is value.
1: So if we accept... The premise that all experience has value and meaning mm-hmm. that that you know finding that is part of what we're here to do right then I think it's kind of interesting to think about the warning signs that we're actually given because mm. our bodies are our access to nature right our bodies yeah. our brains are our access to culture I mean to vastly oversimplify and um our bodies are are our access to our own true nature, which is what we're trying to discover here by getting bewildered. So, you know, I find that I can look back, like my experience in that relationship, the anxiety, the physical anxiety, that's a big one for me. Mm -hmm. I think we all have different warning signs. Right. Right. And so, you know, the other one for me is always sort of autoimmune stuff. So I get chronic fatigue syndrome flare, flare ups when I'm starting to do the wrong thing and and so it's like learning to recognize them again not as failure like so for me chronic fatigue is such a bitch because uh it makes me stop
0: Yep, it's like <laughs> it I makes will, me quit <laughs> i will bring you
1: down you think you're gonna persist watch this right right <laughs> it's very it's very literal and like it had to deal with me in quite a literal way because i could be so stupid yeah <laughs> and yeah so like what are your what are your um warning signs that you get Well, I went to the absolute extreme of physical decomposition too with like five
0: autoimmune illnesses that were supposed to progress and kill me um, because that's what they usually do to people. But they didn't kill me because I caved. Right. And I found that the more I caved when anything bothered me at all, the healthier I got and and recovered or at least have no symptoms from diseases that supposedly were progressive and incurable. Mm -hmm. So now I am like, a big fan of the cave early. And the first thing before you start to hurt physically, I think this is true for everyone, you start to feel a bad mood. So, right. so
1: that's the whisper, maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get symptoms of anxiety. So that's like a fear creeps into your mood.
1: Right. Yeah. I can
0: get the the fight part of the fight or flight. So I start to get angry. Mm. And I have trouble like being courteous to people as so
1: many Others have noted. <laughs> um, you flew all the way to Uzbekistan and insulted the mother. <laughs> <laughs> I was so resentful by the time I got there.
0: So the first thing is mood, and I try mm-hmm. to cave when the mood goes sour. Right. And, right. and then if I don't do that for some reason, oh, I can trust illness and injury to just climb right on pain. board.
1: Physical pain. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Still, I mean, it's always waiting off stage, going,
1: Hello. You know, in if anyone's really super duper interested in this, and you should be, um, in Marty's latest book, The Way of Integrity, she talks about, um, about these kinds of, of right. symptoms. She calls them the Darkwood of Error Syndrome, and um, using Dante. And so, yeah, check it out because it's, it's actually really fascinating the ways that our nature is trying to tell us.
0: Hey, oh, thank hey. you, nature and Dante geek out yeah so bad moods bad physical symptoms then trouble in relationships like you start things start to go downhill you don't feel connected to anyone because you're not connected to yourself and then Mm. anything you're trying to do to make your life go forward starts to fail right like set your watch by it wow and most people say at that point this is when quitters never win and winners never quit you know, mm. I'm miserable emotionally. I'm miser- miserable physically. My relationships are crap right now, and I can't work or create or whatever I want to do. When the going gets tough, that tough get going. Yeah, yeah. And both you and I have ended up like lying prone for weeks because we tried to do this the way we were taught. We're yeah. good girls. We're good girl. Not anymore. No. <laughs> bad girl <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's your nature that's your mm-hmm. your biofeedback system saying
1: time to cave and this thing about um learning that moving is learning mm. and learning to um find meaning and all of that sort of thing. And you said something so cool about this when you were on Glennon Doyle's podcast, oh. and I would love you about the learning process and staying the course. Yeah. She
0: said, how do I be in my integrity? Because she said it, she was horrified that she had sat her kids down when one of their friend's parents were getting divorced and they were worried about it. And she sat them down and said, one thing I can guarantee you, mommy and daddy will never get divorced. And she said, then I got divorced. Like I was so out of my integrity. And I was like, no, you're not. That's the retroactive thing kicking in. Right. I should have known. It should
1: it has to be consistent throughout all time in history. Or not, I should have known, but because I said that, I, I no longer can leave. Yes. Oh my
0: gosh. And and this is what I said to her. Everybody says things that they believe to be true in the moment and really believe and intend to be true. I will never quit this job, whatever. And then situations change. People change. The world changes. And nature says, to quote Liz Gilbert, it is time for something that was beautiful to give way to something else that is beautiful. That's how nature always works. And then you sit your kids down again and say, you know what? I thought I was telling the truth. I really did. I really believed that. And then I got more information. And now I think something different, and that's called learning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So sorry if I set you up, mm-hmm. um, but you all—we all
1: get to learn. And that right there is nature's takeaway: we all get to learn. And that's got to be a big learning for the kid as well about the reality of of being in one of these, you know, bodies and one of these brains. Yeah. And you know, it's going to
0: happen to them too. Yeah. Not necessarily with their marriage, but with something. With nature, with the nature of being a human, comes continuous change. And trying to hang on despite that is the key to all suffering. Just keep grasping something that you need to cave into. Wait, that sounded wrong. Just keep grasping when nature's telling you to cave. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you will understand what suffering looks like.
1: Yeah, so cave early, everyone. Cave
0: early, everyone. And And stay stay wild. wild.
1: We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is bewilderedpodcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review, and stay wild.
0: You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too. Because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need and the world needs wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to marthabeck.com and you'll find your way.